Welcome to the No Filter Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Cook. Today I have a special guest. He is a wedding photographer from Indianapolis. He has been doing photography for a long time. He even has a podcast where he interviews famous photographers. Please put your hands together and help me welcome Mr. Raymond Hatfield. Now here's the interview with Raymond Hatfield. How are you doing today, Raymond? Oh my gosh, Ronnie. I am, I'm good, man. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So can you tell the audience a little more about yourself? Sure. So you mean uh, specifically about photography? Or just about you? So I, um, yeah, I, I grew up in a, in a small town in Northern California that was, um, when we moved in, it was a very, it was, a, it was just farm farm community and very quickly it became uh, a spot for uh, employees of like Silicon Valley to move to right so they all they ran out of space uh, like in San Jose San Francisco they all had to move north to where I was and uh, it wasn't until then that I really started to kind of have my eyes opened up to the world of of, of new things and in particular I think video really got big for me at that time. It got really exciting for me. And, you know, because all these new companies were coming, because all these new, um, you know, citizens were coming, we got our first Best Buy. And I was super excited about this because, uh, you know, today I love technology. It's just fun to play around with that sort of stuff. Went to this Best Buy. They had a bunch of camcorders that you could, like, check out, you know, get your hands on. And uh, very quickly I fell in love with, uh, with video work. And then in high school, I got to make a bunch of videos instead of doing like written essays. And then at that point, my teachers realized they were like, oh, Raymond may be really bad with words, but we can tell that he can tell some sort of story in this visual medium, which was video. <laughs> so at that point, I just kind of stuck with that. I loved it. I even went to film school. I really wanted to be a, a, a cinematographer. So like working on set like in Hollywood you know, directing camera movements and lighting. I love that stuff. But obviously going to film school, that's when you realize, oh, wait, this isn't high school anymore. Uh, this is like an actual job. So that uh, uh, it took away a lot of that creativity, you know, that you get when you are fully in control of something. Yeah. And unfortunately, at the same time, there were two unions that went on strike. So it was the writer's union and then the actor's union as well. So nobody was working. But I still had to pay my rent. And luckily, I uh, I had just bought a, a Canon XT like two months before. And I thought, I'm going to see if I can, uh, you know, pay my rent with this camera. And it was much harder than I expected. But what I did find was that uh, once again, I had all that creative control back that I loved so much in making videos in high school. And then I just uh, from that point on really started dedicating all of my time and my attention to uh, working specifically in photography to get kind of to where I am today, shooting weddings uh, in Indianapolis. And I've uh, been doing that for, well, next year will be 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, so I guess you answered the, the next question. How did you exactly get into the photography? I guess that yeah. way. Well, you know, I've always, I've, I've always been taking pictures. I mean, even as a kid, I remember, and I think anybody can say this, you know, like we remember being a kid, 
and having, you know, depending on how old you are, like a, uh, like a disposable camera or something. And then I remember playing with my cousins and I had a disposable camera because I'd go and visit them. They lived in uh, Idaho and I'd go and visit them and I had like three or four disposable cameras and uh, that I got to use up throughout like the entire month that I was gone over summer break. And me and my cousins would come up with like fun things to photograph. And uh, I still remember like to this day, I don't, I don't know how old I was. I don't know what was going on. I don't even remember exactly like what cousin was with me, but I remember that they had like this little toy alien, uh, like action figure, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And uh, my grandpa lived in a pretty rural area. Uh, so there was lots of, you know, dirt, there was lots of just like grass, lots of just nothing, which, you know, I'm sure that you're very used to being out in uh, Texas, lots of just open, open sky. Right. Yeah. And I, and I remember. I'm... Go ahead. Go on. Oh, no. Houston. So I'm used to being in the city, but I've actually moved to Caldwell as close to Bryan, Texas. And it's, it's a whole lot change. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you know, looking at some of your photos, it's very much, uh, you know, it, I, I see lots of land, you know, I see lots of this, just this big, beautiful open space, which, uh, you know, obviously being from Houston, you don't get a lot of, uh, no. so it, it is different, but I remember having this little alien figure with my, with my cousin. And I thought, Oh, what if I could like set it up here and get the camera really close and use some sort of like, of course, at the time I didn't say forced perspective, but you know, looking back on it now, <laughs> what if I could try to make this alien look as big as my cousin, right? Have my cousin like way far back in the distance. And they were like the same size. And I remember taking that picture and being so excited to see how it turned out. And when I finally got the images back, cause you know, you had to, go to Walgreens or whatever it was to have them develop. Um, I remember looking at that picture and thinking to myself, this is not how I wanted the photo to turn out, but I could see the potential there. And then I think from yeah. that point on, I've always looked at everything through some sort of creative lens of like, how, how can I capture this the way that I see it in my head? Or at least how can I use this thing in my hands to, to tell a story? So I think that's just where it, it grew from. It wasn't, you know, Growing up, I didn't say to myself, oh, I'm going to be a professional photographer. I'm going to, you know, do this and that. It was, it comes from this place of wanting to communicate something, whether it be a story or just something that you see or, you know, whatever it is, and being able to to share that with the world. And that's, that's all it's about. Yeah, it really is. <clears throat> so I guess your first real camera was the, the disposable camera. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, hey, it's you know, it shoots the same film that you would load into a uh, into an SLR, so I don't see why it wouldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Take the Eckert Eckerts to get it uh, developed. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I would take it to uh, it'd be either Walmart or Walgreens or whatever. And I remember yeah. always being so upset because um, the photos never like they never came back the same. You know, like if you pick up a, a digital camera today and you take a photo. And then six months later, you take another photo with that camera. You, both of those photos are going to be pretty similar in the way that, you know, the contrast, the, uh, the color saturation, how those photos look are going to be similar. But whenever I shot on film, it was always completely random. I had no idea what I was going to get back. And now that I'm, you know, into photography more and I've developed my own film, I've realized that it's because all of those places just had really, you know, they had like teenagers developing all this film and they had no idea what they're doing. This is like a scientific process. You know what I mean? Like it takes chemistry mm -hmm. to develop your own film. And there's these essentially just kids who have no idea what they're doing. And uh, essentially they're just completely 
winging it and uh, and giving you totally different results on your film. And I don't know. When I look back at it, it's kind of it's kind of fun to think about that. Just that kind of whimsicalness, that whimsical element of uh, of film. But it's it's nice to have a consistent image, you know, when, like today when you're uh, when you're getting paid for your images. Right. So <laughs> what what was your first camera? Jeez, uh, I mean. What was my first camera? What was my first camera? What was my first camera? What, you know, when, when <laughs> I think it's impossible to answer this question. Like <laughs> my first camera technically would be some sort of, I remember it, it looks like this, not like a cassette, like a small, um, it took like 110 film. It was like this cartridge looking thing that you would load it into. And I don't remember where I got it, why I got it. I don't remember any of the pictures that came out of it, but I just remember that I was able to, for the first time ever, capture something, right, with with images. And that's what was really excited for me. And then over the course of time came new things like, I don't know if you remember, Polaroid made this, I think it was called an iZone camera. And it was this funky looking, like, wild color camera made pretty much like for kids. But it would take instant photos. But the instant photos were the size of, like, a postage stamp. They were teeny, teeny, tiny. Oh, um, oh really? And I love that thing, but that was in, oh, I don't know, late, late 90s, I guess. Uh, but then after that, I think really where, where, where it became serious for me um, in high school, I've been, you know, obviously shooting film uh, as a kid through disposable cameras and whatnot. But then in high school, um, remember that computer company uh, uh, Gateway? Like they had the cow boxes or whatever. It was like the cow print on the box. Do you remember them? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, they decided, hey, you know what? We should make digital cameras. <laughs> and uh, they had like a, like a retail store local to us. Um, and my mom and I went in one day and they had a digital camera for sale. And I think it was like $299. Like $299. Um, and I remember telling my mom, because I, again, all the details are fuzzy when you're like 13 or whatever it was, but right. I remember somewhere reading that film was equivalent to about five megapixels, like the amount of resolution that you could get. Well, I didn't understand any of that. I just heard film is equivalent to five megapixels. So as long as you have a camera that's five megapixels or more, your photos are going to be better than film. And that's all that I you know, paid attention to as a kid. And I was like, this is the one, like, mom, like, we got to get this. She was, of course, really <laughs> hesitant on it. Um, but uh, we ended up getting it. And I used that thing. I took that thing to school every single day. And I took photos every single day. And the battery life was atrocious. It was like 45 minutes of battery life. It was oh. absolutely terrible. And I remember that I had it taken away from me from my uh, high school math teacher, uh, Mr. Blackwell, more than I could, I could even count because I was just constantly taking pictures in his class because I didn't understand that. So I was just, you know, trying to, trying to spend some time in there. But I think that that's really where it, where it clicked for me because now I could take pictures and just totally experiment with things uh, and not have to worry about it. Cause you know, with film, it's like you take a picture, you uh, take that back. Let's take a step even before that. You see a scene in front of you. You think, how would I want to capture this? And then you translate that into camera settings or, you know, focal length. Uh, lighting, whatever it is, and then you try to take the image, and then you have to wait to see that photo. But as a kid, you don't really have that um, patience to not only like write down what you were hoping that that photo would look like, but like your settings and all that stuff. 
so that when you get the image back, you would know how to tweak it to get what you were looking for. And with digital photography, that was really the first time where I was able to see something in front of me, try to dial in my camera settings, and then I would snap a picture. And if it didn't work, well, I could try again immediately, still being in that same headspace. So I would say mm. probably when I first started to take it seriously was probably with that gateway uh, gateway camera, you know, whatever it was uh, that I got there. But then, um, I, well, I guess in a more professional sense, it was uh, when I was in film school, I bought the Canon uh, XT. And I think that thing was only like eight megapixels, but you know, digital SLR, you could change the, uh, uh, the focal length, uh, you know, you were in full control of your settings. And then, Again, that, that was another game changer for me in order to uh, uh, be able to visualize photography a little bit better. Oh, yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you are a wedding photographer. <clears throat> so how was your first wedding, uh, your wedding as a photographer? How was it? How was it? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's funny because I haven't gone to film school. Like, they teach you all about camera settings, right? So, you know, how, how to work with light, how to properly expose an image. And I had, by the time that it was, I had decided, you know what, I, I need to do something to make money. Like I need to do something with this camera. And I started shoot or decided to, to shoot weddings. I remember in my head thinking like shooting a wedding is just, you know, getting it right. <laughs> you know, that's all that you got to do. And all that I was concerned about before the wedding was, was getting good images. And I thought to myself, I like, I know how to do that. Like I, I've been trained to do this. So everything else is going to be super easy for me. And then I remember showing up and it was the exact opposite, the exact opposite. Like, so even though I knew how to use my camera and I knew how to change my settings and whatnot, and I had some sort of creative vision, just the fact that so many things were going on at once mm. and you had to pay attention to those and you had to, be on your toes, um, you know, mentally and, you know, creatively uh, was, was both terrifying and also incredibly exciting for me. So that first wedding, I remember I was outside with the bride and groom. They were, um, I can't remember if we were taking portraits or, or why we were outside, but when we walked inside, her grandma was there and she hadn't seen her grandma in like a long time or something, which I, I didn't learn till afterwards, but the change, as you can imagine from a bright summer, you know, Midwest day, it's very bright outside, outside. And then you walk inside and it's, you know, a dimly lit church. There's almost like no light. And I remember walking in there and taking a bunch of photos. And then I was like, nice. I hadn't changed any of my settings. So I looked at the back of the camera and they're just all black because Ooh. the settings were made for um you know that being outside. Yeah, exactly with that amount of light and then that moment i remember thinking oh no like i i have to be on my toes like i have to know exactly what i'm doing and suddenly it's not just capturing moments it's it's a whole host of other things that you need to be thinking about all the time so that first wedding for me was it was a real eye-opener but you know at the end of the day i walked away with images that I was, I was happy with at the time, you know, and, uh, it was just really exciting. So it just kept that drive going. Yeah. It's just like, when you look at your, when you first, like you said, you know, your first wedding, 
you look back and you said, oh, what you know now and when you put into the images, like the first wedding that you did, it's like, man, if I would have done this different, I would have gotten this picture better or this would have looked different if I put it this way or the settings this way. I'm the exact same way. I look back at my pictures that I when I first started a couple of years ago and it's so grainy. But now since I've been taking pictures, I've learned a lot more. And of course, with photography, you know, you're learning something new every day with mm -hmm. it. And it's like what you see then or what you see that you took then and what you're posting now, it's like, whoa, it's a, it's a, it's a game changer. <laughs> it is. But I mean, that's, that's the name of the game, right? I mean, that's with everything. Yeah. That's with, you know, my wife is a, she's a nurse. And I remember when she was in nursing school, um, you know, she spent, like a week plus training for like the day where they had to, uh, you know, to, uh, practice or prove their skills at just simply washing their hands, you know, and that's like the basics. And now today, I mean, it's like she delivers babies. Like she does this all the time. Like the, the amount of change that you have in, in, in a short period of time is, is, is incredible. But when you still look back at those early photos, I think what's important is, is to be able to see if you can, still see the photo that you were trying to take you know because yeah. i think that inside the the stories that we are trying to tell uh that we can see in our head uh the visualizations that we have are pretty much the same always and the it's it's our images that change based on the experience that we have with a camera so if you can look back at your earlier work and say i see what i was going for here then i think that you're on the right path yeah, exactly. I, I do agree with that. So, before you started taking weddings, were you? When exactly did you know when you wanted to, to be a wedding photographer? Before you started doing weddings, did you do anything street photography or uh, portraits or anything like that? No, I didn't. I, uh, as I said, I mean, I when I started photography, I still had the idea that I would be getting back into film when the industry got better. So I was just kind of doing things on the side and I was really picky about what I was doing because, you know, I wasn't doing it to, you know, grow a portfolio or anything because I didn't care. I was going to get back into film. So if it didn't sound like fun, I didn't do it. Um, mm. I had the camera. So I would I actually lived um, with 11 roommates. Um, and I would, whenever there would be any sort of like, you know, event or anything at the, uh, at the, at the house, I would photograph things like that, but just for fun, nothing in a professional sense or anything like that. It was just for fun. And then afterwards we would look at the photos and say, Oh, that was good. And then, you know, and then that would be <laughs> it. But when it came time to making money, I thought to myself, if I, like, if I'm going to do this, I have to like go for the big bucks because yeah. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to shoot like $99 portraits. You know, my rent at the time was like, fifteen hundred dollars it's like i can't do that you know with 99 dollars portraits uh when when that's not what i'm trying to do long term so i thought oh i mean weddings are expensive like let's just go for weddings knowing what i know now i definitely would have got I, like if i if i would have known that i would pursue photography professionally i would have definitely stuck with portraits rather than weddings i think that there's a lot more money to make in portraits than there is weddings but when you first get started, you just see that big price tag and you're like, whoa, like somebody's going to pay me to do that. Like, and I would do this for free. Like, I love this. Like, this is fantastic. Um, <laughs> so no, I wasn't shooting portraits or anything. I just went 
I just went straight into weddings purely, purely for the money. And then it wasn't until later when I realized, oh, you know what? I truly enjoy this. I love the creative element here. I love the creative aspect of this. I love, um, you know, hearing the client's feedback and, you know, as you, as you do it for a few years, um, you'll find out that, you know, you really made a difference in somebody's life because, you know, maybe a grandparent passed away or a parent passed away, God forbid. And, you know, the photo that they post on Facebook is your photo and you realize, oh my gosh, like I just really made an impact like on somebody's life with, with, you know, dumbing it down here, but just, just by pressing a button on my camera, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that for me is when it really, is when it really stuck. It's your photo, but it's their memory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So exactly. take me through when you're packing your camera gear up to go to a wedding. What do you what do you take with you exactly? I am super minimal when I go to a wedding. Okay, let me start off by saying the first wedding that I went to, I wanted to bring everything, right? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to bring both cameras. Actually, I had three cameras at the time. I'm going to bring three cameras. I'm going to bring like the seven lenses I have. I have like 12 different flashes. I'm going to bring all those. I have, a, you know, enough batteries to, you know, kill an elephant, you know, if you wanted to. All this stuff. I had filters. I had, uh, you know, lighting accessories. I had um, everything that you can imagine, right? Everything that you can need. A million batteries, uh, camera batteries, a million, um, you know, memory cards as well. Uh, and then, you know, at the end of the day, I realized, man, I didn't use half this stuff. <laughs> like, I, I really didn't use uh, much of this at all. And it wasn't because I couldn't. It was because I realized that I could tell the story that I wanted to within, you know, uh, a smaller set of, you know, parameters, I guess. So over time, my kit kind of got smaller and smaller. I would still bring stuff just in case. But I just wanted to see if I could capture a wedding the way that I wanted to, but with less gear. So for mm. a year, I would still bring all, you know, my stuff, but I would tell myself, I'm only going to shoot with a 35 and an 85 today. And then I would try to do that, you know, and then guess what? There was a specialty, you know, situation where I needed to have a wide, like a 16 millimeter lens, like a nice wide lens. And then I thought, okay, well, I got to think about that. And over time though, I was able to get rid of just about everything. And today I shoot all my weddings on a, um, well, this year I started shooting on a Fuji uh, X100V, which has been a ton of fun because technically it's just a prosumer camera, but uh, I think that it is definitely professional quality. Uh, and it's very small. And the people who look at it, they don't have this feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm getting my picture taken. Like I have to pose in a certain way. They just kind of continue to be who they are. And then you can capture more genuine interactions between people. Uh, mm -hmm. So I got that. And then I have my Fuji X Pro 2. Still running X Pro 2. Love it. It's one of my favorite cameras of all time with a 50 millimeter lens. So since both cameras are crop sensors, essentially it's two cameras, 35, 85. And then I have a uh, 70 to 200 equivalent just for the ceremony. Because, you know, you don't want to get too close during the ceremony. And then um, three or four flashes and then a bunch of memory cards and, and, and batteries and then lights. Mm. But that's, that's it. I really try to keep everything on me, like with a just with a messenger bag full of uh, 
full of my equipment and then I just have the roller bag for leftover stuff. But that's, that's all that I use on a wedding day. It's really not a lot of stuff. No, I think all the photographers that are on your podcast or just any photographers impaired have like a hand, like maybe three handfuls of memory cards. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, (laughs) it's not a lot. And you know what, actually I changed something really, uh, I, before, so years ago, I had this, I guess it wasn't, you know, this, this, this wasn't my thought, but I remember hearing of a photographer who had, uh, they had a memory card in their camera, got corrupt, they lost the entire wedding day. And I thought, how can I make sure that that doesn't happen to me? And mm-hmm. what I came up with was, um, I'm just going to have a bunch of tiny memory cards, right? That are only going to last for about an hour's worth of shooting. And so that I have to keep changing my memory cards so that if one of them does get corrupt, I've only lost about an hour's worth of shooting. And that's going to be a whole lot better than the full 10 um, hours of shooting or so. So I tried oh, yeah. for a long time. And I never once, probably for five years, I did that. I never once had a photo that was corrupt. I never once had a memory card that was corrupt. I never had any sort of issues. And then recently, really? not once. And then last year, I was listening to, it was some sort of, some some YouTube video from, maybe it was from Sandisk, maybe it was, I don't remember who it was from, but it was some sort of uh, imaging engineer, scientist, who said that, like, today, pretty much, if you buy, like, a good memory card, you know, not a cheap knockoff brand or something like that, but if you buy a good quality memory card, and you have, like, a relatively new camera, the odds of it messing up are slim to none like we've just got to this point to where we've built them rock solid that you're really not going to have an issue so my fuji x pro 2 has the two memory card slots so today what i do is i just put in two 256 gig memory cards in there and then just shoot all day on that and then i do the same thing in my uh in my x100v and now now it's been about a year since i've been doing that and I've never had a problem, and it just makes it a whole lot easier for me because now I don't have to change memory cards on the day. And uh, when I go to back up all my photos, I, you know, I only got the one card. I don't have to worry about losing a card or anything like that. So that that's really helped me out. Oh yeah, and uh, it's about darn time they they fit some memory cards where they won't do all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, we we've really come a a long way. So if you're looking to buy a memory card, definitely buy one that says that it's professional grade. I just use um. SanDisk Pro Extreme uh, cards, and like I said, I've never, never had an issue. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, for someone that is starting out to doing photography, what kind of gear do you recommend them get? L- now, this is not whatever is going to be cheapest. Honestly, okay, whatever is going to be the cheapest thing that you can find is how you get into photography. If you, well, okay, let's. Let's take this a step back. Let's break this down. If you have never done any sort of shooting and you just thinking to yourself, man, I, I think that I would like photography a lot, then start with a cell phone in your, in your pocket because mm-hmm. cameras today on cell phones are incredible. There's a yes, lot of things are. that you can practice with your cell phone. And that is composition. That is framing. That is, getting the right moment, you know, let the camera figure out the exposure, but start getting photos that you're happy with in in those areas, right? And then once you're happy with that, then I would 
start to consider some sort of either mirrorless or DSLR camera. And then at that point, literally just get the cheapest thing that you can find. Because if you, if you know that photography is going to be something that you want to do long term, you're going to have to upgrade that camera anyway, whatever camera you buy. Even if you buy a top of the line flagship camera, you know, you spend $4,000 on a brand new camera, first day of photography, by the time you're ready to, you know, by the time your skills have advanced far enough to where you would probably be buying a new camera anyway, your camera is now going to be obsolete. So why not start off with the cheapest thing that you can buy, learn the basics, because as you know, Ronnie, cell phone photography and DSLR photography are two totally different things. So yes. once you can figure that out, by the time you're ready to upgrade, there's going to be something newer on the market. It's going to be exactly what you're looking for. And then just, just go at it then. But I mean, again, seriously, like just go as cheap as humanly possible until, until it doesn't work for you anymore in your type of photography. And then, and only then should you consider upgrading. Now, would you go, like you said, you said, go through to your cell phone until to into DSLR. Now, would you recommend somebody doing the point and shoot one, like a Canon point and shoot before they go to the DSLR? No, I think today's cell phones are, are good enough to where they are. They're just a point and shoot camera. You know, they have replaced point and shoot cameras. The thing that a point and shoot camera is going to give you over a cell phone is going to be image quality. But um, if you're if you're just getting really started in photography, you're not going to be worried about, you know, resolution pixel density, latitude, all those things about photography, really until you get yourself a DSLR. So I would say skip the point and shoot. Um, and really, I have found that point and shoot uh, have, have become fun for me now because uh, specifically with Fuji, you know, like this, this X100V that I got, uh, it's, it's technically, I guess, a point and shoot camera. You know, you could set it to, to auto and all these things. And you know, somewhat pocketable and you can just point and shoot if you want to. And it's a fantastic camera. Um, but it still has the ability to be able to have full manual controls, um, which is what I love. So I would say just skip the, the point and shoot and just go straight for a DSLR until you can figure out what it is that you value most in your photography uh, and then pick a camera based on that. Okay. So, so talk, still talking about the cameras wise now, like, I've already got a camera, but if I was talking to you about, you know, hey, I want to get in for photography, I've been, you know, like you said, I've been taking pictures with my cell phone, but I want to to upgrade it now. So would you recommend somebody going to Best Buy, Target, Walmart and buying a new camera? Or would you recommend somebody going to a camera store and buying a used camera body and lens? Definitely buying a used camera body and lens. For sure. Go to a camera shop. If you got one local to you, go in there. All the people in there are going to be super knowledgeable about photography. Let them know, hey, you know, I've just been shooting with my cell phone for, you know, a while. These are the types of things that I like to shoot. Because guess what? If you love to shoot flowers, if you love to shoot, you know, close-ups of things, the, the camera and the lens choice that you buy is going to be different than if you shoot landscapes or portraits. So let them know the types of things that you like to shoot. Uh, and they're going to point you in the right direction. But again, when you when you first pick up a DSLR till the time that you're ready to upgrade, so much time will have passed that whatever camera you buy is going to be obsolete. 
So you might as well buy a camera that's already obsolete to save yourself the money so that when it's time to upgrade, you're going to know exactly what you want in a camera, what camera you want, and then more importantly, um, what lens decisions you're going to have to make as well. Yeah. <clears throat> so I mentioned this in the uh, in my intro, and I know we haven't mentioned this now. You do run a podcast on uh, there's a Facebook and you can catch them on Spotify. And there's another one I, I listen to your podcast on. So what made you want to start a podcast for photography? The simple fact that I didn't go to photography school. I didn't go to school for photography. I went to mm-hmm. I went to film school. I, I learned how to how to shoot motion pictures. Video. And when I got into photography, while a lot of the technical translate directly over you know exposure is exactly the same you got to worry about aperture you got to worry about f-stop you got to worry about iso um, film speed you got to worry about all those things light is exactly the same between the two there was a portion of me that felt like i was an imposter like i'm missing something about the photography about the still side of capturing images and i didn't know what it was and nobody could answer my question because nobody went to film school learned what i knew and then become a photographer, at least that I was aware of. I knew of photographers who went into video. Um, so starting the podcast was just a way for me to talk to other photographers, talk to photographers who were better than me and learn kind of how they see the world. Because if, if exposure is exactly the same between both of them, the only difference is how you use that camera to tell the story. With video, of course, you can use motion. You can... Um, you know, do a whole host of things to be able to to tell the story that you're trying to tell. But with a stills camera, it's entirely different. And that's what I wanted to know, is how do you tell a story with this thing? And that's why I started talking to uh, other photographers through the podcast. That's why I started the podcast was uh, was simply just to be able to talk to talk to other photographers and see, you know, if there was anything that I was missing out on that I could learn from them. Which one has been your favorite podcast so far? <laughs> Then now, now, this to any of the the people that you you interview for the podcast, mm-hmm. it has uh, if they're listening, this has nothing to do with this. I'm just asking a simple question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't hurt nobody's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, you know, I've I've always been the type of person who has been really good at taking in a bunch of information and then figuring out what has been best for me. Right, so. I'll talk to somebody who is a, you know, a product photographer. I don't shoot any sort of commercial work and listening to them and how they shoot helps me shoot in a different way. Right. So in a strange way, even though I only shoot weddings, I get the least information out of other wedding photographers because it's, I don't want to say that it's the same. It's definitely not the same between all wedding photographers, but it's like, I kind of already know that, you know, but when you're talking to, a pet photographer, when it comes to talking to a portrait photographer, when it comes to, you know, talking to whoever you want to, I always take something out of those interviews that directly apply to my photography. So I think specifically, um, you know, my, my interview with Chris Orwig was probably one of my favorites because he said, um, and this is not verbatim here, uh, what he said was that um, everybody knows something that you don't. And the goal of taking a portrait is to um, show who that person is, right? So if you can figure out, 
if you can learn something from that person and then capture that moment, then you've captured who they are. And I thought to myself, I've never thought about it that way. I've never mm-hmm. thought about it that way. And I think a lot of photographers come into photography assuming that the industry is going to be against them, assuming that people are going to hold secrets from them, right? Like, man, if you just want to learn how to get a blurry background, I'm going to be happy to teach you that. You know, I will be more than happy to teach you that. That's not a secret. You're going to figure that out, you know? So there's no reason for me to to, to want to hide those things. And I think that the type of people who come on the podcast uh, understand that. And because of that, they're more willing to be open and share things that maybe they wouldn't traditionally in uh, just like a, a Q&A type thing. But I guess, you know, to answer your question here, it, it's real hard because, as I said, I mean, I get something out of every every single interview that I can directly apply to my photography. So therefore, I don't think that I can have a favorite interview. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes, sir, it does. And I'm not I, trying to, you know, uh, uh, cop out of this question or anything. I'm not trying to, you know, get away from it. But I just, I just truly think that, you know, even if there's a photographer who I have nothing in common with, I've never shot that style of photography. I'm going to take away something from about from talking to them that I'll be able to apply to myself that is ultimately going to change the way that I shoot. And, you know, as a culmination of all those things, you can't just pick one that becomes the uh, uh, the favorite, the the thing that changes it all. I see what you're talking about. Like what you said, doing <clears throat> from somebody that's doing portrait, you know, you can take something of his and put it into your photography, but give it a, your twist on it. Or even doing what yeah. the uh, like with sports, you know how sports is a fast pace. Well, when yeah. you interview it or uh, put it into your photography the wedding that's like you know the the dances that you you see at the weddings the uh the bride throwing the the flowers and something like that where you put it into your photography but you give it your twist on it exactly that that's it that's exactly it and if you can do that with anybody who you talk to you can't not grow as a photographer and become successful mm-hmm that's what i like on especially on instagram there's a lot of photographers on instagram that i follow and they come up with ideas that i would never think of and i'm like man i can do that but when i do it what i I like to like i said follow them and see what they do but when i reenact it i guess you can say i don't want to do it as they did it i want to be like okay well if they do it like this i wonder if i can do it this way or if i can do the lights a little over here, but more over here and just give it, like I said about your photography, give it my twist on it to make it my photography. Exactly. And that's, that's what we as humans have done since the beginning of time. You know, yeah. we see something that somebody else, somebody else is, is able to put something into words or they're able to capture something that, that we've never been able to, but we've experienced before. And now that we've seen the way that they've done it, Okay, let, let me put it this way. Uh, I was, I I love Saturday Night Live. I love watching it. It's it's been you know <laughs> a staple of my life, uh, you know, since the beginning. And uh, one of my favorites of all time is uh, Dana Carvey. He's just hilarious, I think. Um, and he's known for his impressions. He does really good impressions. And I was watching an interview with him uh, actually recently, where he was talking about uh, 
his impression of George Bush. And he said that for a long time, he couldn't get it. He couldn't get it right. But it wasn't until he heard somebody else doing an impression that he that somehow he understood it. He was like, oh, there's the piece that I'm missing here. And hearing how somebody else does something, seeing how somebody else does something doesn't mean that you copy it exactly, but it means that you're going to be able to get 5%, 10%, 20% closer to being able to achieve your vision of that same thing. And when it comes to photography, it's exactly the same way. That's just what we as humans have done forever. And, uh, and here we are today, you know, it, it can be a form of flattery. Some people, you know, think that it can be just blatantly stealing, but artists have been stealing work since the beginning of time. So it's just all in how you use it to be able to, to tell your side of the story. And, and we all have a unique perspective on the world. Yes, how sir. we use photography is, is how we, is how we show that off. And if somebody else, shows you something like we went to school right we went to elementary school we learned how to use letters and then we learned that those letters could be put into words and then words can be put into sentences and how we put words together in a certain sentence can be entirely different meanings um and in the same sense in photography we learn settings and then we learn storytelling and then we learn you know lighting and how we take those things can be arranged in different ways but it's all meant to tell the best story that we can uh, with the way that we, that we see the world. I feel like a broken record when I say that, but that's, I don't know how to say <laughs> that any better. I apologize for that. Oh, it's all right. So what do you think that has improved in your photography? And what do you think still needs to be improved? What has improved in my photography since, since starting the podcast or since the beginning? Uh, since the beginning of you starting photography uh, everything <laughs> literally everything has uh has improved if you do something long enough you know if you do something for 10 years and you haven't improved then you got a problem um so i always try to keep some sort of a beginner mindset where i always want to see what i can learn and how i can advance what it is that i'm doing uh all the time and you know even when when doing the podcast one of the earliest guests his name was uh Luis Hermosillo and I were still friends on Facebook and he said something in his podcast that he shoots all of his photos at a white balance of 6,000 and I remember thinking to myself like what that's crazy like there's no <laughs> way that that works in every situation and technically it doesn't work in every situation but for the creative story that he's trying to tell it works for him but I remember that for me learning that little piece of information gave me the um gave me the the out it gave me the excuse to try warming up my photos more than I would have previously and because of that I think that my photos now have a little bit of a richer feel to them right they feel more true to life they feel a little bit happier a little bit cozier so it's small things like that that I can you know pinpoint have definitely improved um, my use of off-camera flash because you know that's not something that you really have to worry about in uh, in in the motion picture world, off camera flash. But then things that need to be improved are things that need to be improved are uh, that we can always work on. I'll tell you what: it's hammering down exactly who I want to work with. I know that that's not like a technical, 
you know, like holding the camera in your hand. But I will tell you that working with the right clients or the right subjects is going to change your photography more than getting a new camera or lens. And what I mean by that is that early on, you know, when I decided, okay, actually, I am going to try to make money at this. Uh, I do need to shoot weddings. I would take any wedding that came my way. And the majority of the weddings that I took were not the right weddings for me. They were couples who were just simply looking for either the cheapest option or they didn't even care about the photography, but they knew that they were getting married and, well, you got to have a photographer at your wedding. So I don't know, like we just need to check this off the list. And that, that was all that they were looking for in a photographer, which meant that on the day they weren't engaged. They weren't, um, it didn't feel like we were a team. It didn't feel like they thought that I was trying to capture something for them. And therefore the photography suffered because of it. Yeah. Y'all didn't click. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas today I still try, I, I make sure that I have a, either a meeting or, you know, today's day, uh, a zoom or a FaceTime call to where I can see them. I can see, you know, how they interact with each other and I can have a genuine conversation with them so that, I can determine if I'm going to be able to deliver what they are looking for at their wedding, because it doesn't matter about me. These like, why, why do I care that I like, I'm not going to do anything with their wedding photos. You know what I mean? I'm not going to hang them on my wall. Like that's weird. It's not my wedding. I'm capturing photos for them. So I have to ensure that I can deliver exactly what they are looking for. And when I can do that, I can ensure that I'm the right photographer the right photographer for them and I can deliver exactly what they're looking for. And that means that on their wedding day, they're excited to work with me because I'm taking a more personalized approach. I know what things they're looking for. I can, I can help them achieve that so that they're going to get those photos that in, you know, five or 10 years, they're going to look back and think like, wow, this is really us. And this wasn't just a, an eight hour portrait shoot where the photographer took us away from our family and friends who traveled out of state uh, just to get one cool photo for for his portfolio, you know what I mean. So that yeah. is, that has been one of the biggest things that has helped my photography grow, but will be an ever evolving struggle to continue to hammer down uh, and get better at finding the right clients for me. When I, when I first started, it's the same way. When I first started, I had a, a well, they were fr- they're friends of mine. They were having their first baby. And the the wife was like, you know, we take our, take our pictures and everything. I was like, yeah, of course. You know, I, I was friends with them, so I kind of you know connected with them. But I tell you what, the wife, they did, they both did an awesome job. But that, but the wife, she knew what she really wanted. She did her research. She went on Pinterest and was like, oh, I want that, 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 and that. I was like, well, okay, yeah. we'll get all of that then. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. Did, did did that make your life easier or harder? Well. Honestly, it was my first one, so I was nervous about it. I mean, even though they were friends, I was still nervous. But sure. taking pictures for other people, I'm I want to make sure I get you know that memory, like you said. But I want to make sure that they get what they want for it, that or they want me to do. If that makes sense, it does. It does. Do you do you struggle with that today? Wondering if you're going to be able to deliver what it is that that they want versus how you would just normally shoot it? I do sometimes. Honestly, I've only done 
that per, uh photo shoot and another one recently with uh a, a one of my old friends I went to school with and her little boy, but she was real laid back and she was like, you know, look, I'm I'm you do whatever you think that looks best. And I was like, okay. So and I I I worked with her and I think it's not that I was struggling. It was more I think it was more that I was nervous than struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that's what most new photographers, they that's the struggle. It's not the struggling part, but they are struggling because they're nervous, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. You're absolutely right. Whenever you do anything new, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be nervous. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, when it's something like, you know, build a birdhouse, you just follow the instructions, even if it's your first time, and you're going to get something, you know, decent. But when it's when it's a form of art and it's subjective and you're the one in control and you decide whether or not you like it or not. But then at the same time, even if you like it, somebody else can say that they don't like it because, again, it's so subjective. That's where things really start to get muddy. And you just got to learn who you are as a photographer and just have confidence in what it is that uh, that you deliver. And if it's something that you like, then then that becomes a breakdown of, of, of having the wrong client. Yeah, and kind of, I guess you can say, kind of take the lead where, you know, if, for example, if you're doing a uh, a wedding and the, the, the bride's like, you know, I want it right here. I want me and my husband's pictures right here. Well, if you look at it and you're like, okay, well, that looks good, but I think it would look better over here and then from yep. over there. So kind of take the lead on it, but not push it, but take the lead. Every day. Yeah. Every day. That, that's something that, that happens at a wedding. Uh, you know, for me, they'll say, Oh, we really want to get a picture under this oak tree. And I'll say, okay, great. By the way, you know, in an hour, the sun's going to be a little bit lower in the sky. It's going to be a little bit more beautiful. How about we wait until then just so that we can get the best photo for you. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, great. Nobody's going to say no to that. You know what I mean? Right. Nobody's going to say, no, I'd rather just have the boring photo. Like just, just give me that one. You know, if, if you, give them if you help them out if you take the lead you know as you say i like that if you take the lead uh they're gonna appreciate that and they're paying you because you're the professional they're not paying you so that they can uh tell you how to do how to do your job if, absolutely right if that was the case heck they'll have their like cousin or cousin's nephew or somebody like that with just with their iphone and be like all right go over there and take my picture you're exactly right <laughs> exactly so well um we talk okay what do you use to edit your photos uh, i've just been editing my photo when i first got started uh i here's a fun fact when i first got started i did not ever want to edit any of my photos because i come from the film world of you know motion pictures when i was in film school we shot on actual film it was me and i think there was only two other students who shot on actual film Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a very expensive process. I mean, it was several thousand dollars to not only acquire the film, enough film to shoot your short, but then also get that film developed. You know, you're not just developing 24 or 36 photos. You're developing 24 photos for every second of video that you have. So it's a very expensive process. Oh, um, yeah. And then on top of that, if you wanted to color correct or change you know the exposure or anything of any of your images you then have to take that to somebody who specializes in that thing a telecine artist 
I didn't have that kind of money. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a film school student, I did not have that kind of money. So I told myself, I have to learn how to get cameras or get photos right in camera so that they require no post-processing at all. So when I first got that um, um, uh, Canon XT, again, remember, I wanted to get back into film, into the video world. So I thought to myself, I'm not going to spend any time learning how to do any of the extra stuff aside from capturing images. And that means I'm, I'm going to be shooting in JPEG. I'm not going to be shooting in RAW. I'm not going to be editing the photos because I want them right in camera. And then that's going to be it end of the day. Well, that worked great. I'll, I'll be honest. That worked great for me, I think, to improve my skills as a photographer, because when you have to get it right in camera, you have to get it right in camera. And if you don't, you're going to know right away. But when it came time to doing this more professionally, the, I invested in, at first it was Apple had a version of Lightroom, which is called Aperture, which unfortunately is now gone. But I invested in that not to edit my photos, but as a way to organize my photos. Because when you go to a wedding, even when you have a portrait shoot, you could take several hundred or several thousand photos and you need a way to be able to um, catalog those and organize them in a way that makes sense. And then it wasn't until I did that that I thought, oh, what does this slider do? Oh, what does this thing do? And then I kind of started playing around with my work. But today um, it's all Lightroom based. Um, it's kind of the standard. It's makes sense for me as a, as a professional to pay the subscription fee, uh, you know, that is associated with it. Um, and then I just do really minimal edits, you know, just make sure that exposure is right between a series of images, make sure white balance is, uh, you know, right for a series of images. And then that's, that's pretty much it. Apply some sort of signature to it, which changes the contrast and, you know, the way I see greens, the way I see blues, the way I see reds uh, to be more natural to me. And then I send it on. That's, that's all that it is. It's not, not too extensive. I don't, you know, I don't do large amounts of photo manipulation because that just doesn't work for my form of photography. Yeah, that, that's, I use the same thing, Lightroom, where I used to, I still use it, but Snapseed, and then there's a, a app I still use, PhotoBots, and I, oh, yeah. I, I used the Snapseed at first. And I mean, it pop made the colors pop like on my sunset pictures and sunrise. It made the colors pop, and I was like, "Dang, I, I really like this." But when you zoom in, it gets so grainy. So I was like, "Man, I'm gonna have to stop using this." And then that's when I went to Lightroom, and it, I, you can tell the difference. Really tell the difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. well, my last question: Do you have any tips for anyone that's wanting to start photography or? tips for that somebody that's been doing photography for maybe a week or two or even a month do you have any tips for them so everybody's going to be a little bit different everybody is going to find inspiration in new ways um, i would say that the goal of photography as a photographer is to tell a story and it's to tell the story that you want to tell i know that that sounds kind of um, narcissistic i guess but as the you know, as the painter, as the, as the photographer, it is your job to intentionally create an image, whatever that looks like to you, because you are the only person who knows how you see the world, right? And you are unique. You're, there's the, you are the only you in the entire world. So lean into that and take photos uh, that you want to take. Now, when it comes time to, you know, as you said, you've been shooting for a week or so, how do you kind of get to that next level, like what, what tips would you have? And 
you have to you said that you go on Instagram and you see other people's work and you're like, wow, I could do that. And that gives you inspiration, Mm -hmm. right? For some people, myself included, you might go on Instagram and see a photo and be like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And then it could bring you down. So the first thing is to have some sort of self-awareness as to what is Instagram going to do for you? Is it going to make you strive for uh, to become a better photographer or do you think it's going to kick you at your lowest point and make you feel like you'll never be a good photographer and based on the answer to that i would say either use instagram for inspiration or don't use instagram for inspiration and if you're in that first camp then great you know check out photos interact with people build community on instagram talk to them figure out how they see the world and how you know they capture photos and see if you can implement any of that into your work if you're in that second camp to where you look at other people's work and you just think, oh, my gosh, I don't live in this tropical location. I could never take beautiful pictures like this. You know, I, I could never go on the streets and just take pictures of random people, you know, whatever it is. And then that kind of brings you down. Don't go on Instagram, but instead just be really, really critical about your own work. And just because you have to shoot more than anybody. You can't see something, get excited about it, try it out, and then if it works, cool. If not, then you try it again. You have to try, you have to shoot a billion different things to learn one new thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So I would just say shoot as much as humanly possible, even if you don't think that you're going to enjoy, you know, shooting uh, food or commercial work or anything like that. Do it because you're really going to be surprised. You're going to be surprised at what it is that you like to do. Don't shoot just for the money. Don't think that weddings, you know, is going to make you some six-figure rock star or anything like that with a Ferrari, you know, (laughs) driving up to the wedding. It's not. Shoot for what you want to shoot. And if that means that, you know, in the beginning you start photographing um, food, in particular, you really like shooting burgers. (laughs) You know, there are photographers who only photograph burgers and they are world-class for that exact thing and then when you know mcdonald's comes needs a new uh photographer for an ad campaign you think that they're going to go to the person who shoots a little bit of family portraits a little bit of landscape work maybe a wedding once or twice and then they also got a few burgers on their website or do you think that they're going to go with the person who has burger after burger after burger after burger that they've been shooting for 10 plus years yeah They're going to go for the person who has all those burgers, but only do that, obviously, if that's truly what you're passionate about. Yeah. That's that's what I would say. It's it's as easy as that, but it's also as hard as that because that's going to be a journey that you're going to be on your entire life. Yeah, I agree with that. And for me, I don't – I like to to shoot – I guess this is just for me. It might be for some other people, but just for me – I like to shoot landscape, street photography, long exposure, everything. Because I don't, right now, I just don't want to be classified, I guess you can say, as a portrait photographer or wedding photographer. Sure. Nothing against you. But I just want to, you know, I I think for me, it's more if I shoot nothing but portrait, portrait, portrait every, not every day, but every time I I get my camera, I I kind of feel like I'll get burnt out of it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Let, let me clarify. I, if you look on my computer, I got photos of my kids. I got photos of vacations. 
I have an entire folder on my computer just of pictures of clouds. <laughs> just because I'm a wedding photographer doesn't mean that's the only thing that I'm going to photograph or that that's the only thing that I find some passion in. You can have passion in everything that you want to, yeah. right? You can, you can enjoy photographing landscapes and you know portraits and all of these things. But once you find something that sticks out a little bit more than everything else, go with that. Like all of your attention on that. Then, you know, as I said, I got photos of my kids. I got photos of, you know, life. I got photos of trips. I got photos of clouds. Just because I have those photos, there's a different use for those photos. And I'm not going to put those on my website um, for people to hire me. So if you're looking to get paid work, find the one thing and go hard at that. But always be a student of photography. And as I said, like I said earlier in this thing, shoot everything that you can because you're really going to be amazed at what you are going to find that passion in mm -hmm. that you never would have before i mean n nobody's a you know a 10 year old kid thinking you know what i want to do for the rest of my life photograph hamburgers <laughs> nobody but there are people who do that because maybe it was the way that they enjoyed the lighting maybe it was the way that you know they thought this is so cool like this isn't actually a hamburger this is like rubber this is glycerin this is some glue this like you're building something new here and it's almost a form of visual art and that's the part that they pull out of it it doesn't have to be burgers it could be whatever you want but once you find something ask yourself why do you like it so much and then go a thousand percent in on that. yeah well hey you know that what you said about that 10 year old you know one to shoot burgers heck if he gets free burgers for the rest of his life then they can i bet he'll <laughs> shoot burgers the rest of his life <laughs> <laughs> no kidding there you go man T teach him how to fish right, right? <laughs> so do you have any website or your face uh anywhere that you would like to share for for people the audience that's listening where they can catch more of your work absolutely well of course uh you can find my work uh, my, my own uh, professional work at rhatfieldphotography.com. That's R is in Raymond, hatfieldphotography.com. Terrible name. It gets pronounced Ratfield Photography all the time. So <laughs> who knows? In the future, that might get changed. Um, but that's, that's where you can see some of my, um, my uh, professional work. If you want to learn more about you know, photography, you're listening to this podcast. You enjoy photography. And if you want to dive deeper, um, there is, uh, you can find the Beginner Photography Podcast, which, as you said, you can find it, it wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, you can find it. Um, and then also, uh, if anybody's listening and you do want to learn more about like the technical side of photography, I have a free ebook, which you can download on the website, which is uh, at beginnerphotographypodcast.com. Free ebook, it's called Picture Perfect Camera Settings. Um, I share a bunch of photos of different lighting situations of different, uh, you know, scenarios that you might be in. Uh, and then I share uh, the camera settings that I have along with those photos so that you can kind of put together those pieces in your head of, oh, this is how we start to build an image. So, of course, you know, I want to give your audience that if they want to uh, download that, that's where they can find that. Beginnerphotographypodcast.com. Now, if anybody that's listening, if y'all get a chance, y'all make sure to go listen to this podcast. I listen to it when I can, when I'm at work. And it's fantastic. You will learn a lot. Oh my gosh, Ronnie, you are you're too kind, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> um, well, Mr. Raymond, it was wonderful talking to you. You as well. You know, you, you did great at this. You're, you're a, a fun podcast host. You're really engaging. I like how you're, you know, not only asking questions, but also 
sharing some of your stories as well. And then we can kind of, you know, go back and forth on that because that's really all that, that photography is about. It's, it's about building that community. It's learning how to tell stories and it's learning from those who came before us. So I appreciate you and, and what you're doing here, Ronnie. This is great. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Um, I'll talk to you later. Man, it is always good to talk to Mr. Raymond. I hope everyone listening to this learns something new today. Whether you are just starting out doing photography, been doing this for 20 years. If you get a chance, check out Raymond's podcast, The Beginner Photography Podcast, if you haven't already. And before I go, I would like to share a quote. Photography is a way of feeling, of touching, of loving. What you have caught on film is captured forever. It remembers little things long after you have forgotten everything. So I want you all, y'all to go out to your favorite place to shoot and catch your favorite image. Thank you for listening to the No Filter Photography Podcast. Don't forget to, don't forget to subscribe so y'all don't miss out on the new interviews coming up. I'll see y'all next time.